Hello and welcome back to the Big 12 Preview. Uh, this is the Weekend Spread, folks. This is one of our biggest shows every year. We have everyone on deck. Jameson, Ty, Boaten Blake, and me, your host, Bobby Howard. We're here for a pretty packed show. Uh, this is the biggest the Big 12's ever been. Uh, we've never previewed a 14 or anything larger than a 10-team Big 12. So this year, we're doing things a little different. Uh, ever since the dawn of the Schooner Pod, Jameson and I's very first podcasting session back in his uh, old apartment in Midtown, we've been ranking the teams 1 through 10, 10 through 1, whatever, it doesn't matter, and we're back to do it again. So we're ranking top 10s. Um, anyways, big season for the Big 12, pivotal, OU and Texas out, uh, BYU, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati in, and uh, Blake, as a resident uh shield fan you know all of us us three we're moving on to the to the uh, sec but you're sticking behind with the big 12 what are your thoughts on this season and uh i don't know i want to hear from you how, how are you feeling going into this no i'm really excited i think the conference is in good hands like although we lose two of like the the brands i guess in the big 12 wow. we gain a lot of depth in kind of the challenge of ranking these teams as we'll probably see throughout these rankings a lot of teams very close together. There's like very, you're kind of nitpicking every single one in order to slot them in in a true one through 10. I think that's not going to change whenever we go to the 16 team, uh, big, te uh, big 12, big 16, whatever they end up rebranding it next year. I, I really enjoyed that. I think it'll make it exciting. I think it'll be a league where, although you don't have a elite powerhouse that is like probably consistently going to be in the top four, you're going to have some of the most interesting conference finals races. You're going to have some of the most interesting playoff races and probably going to, uh, this, this conference is going to generate a few uh, playoff dark horses. So I'm really excited for this year. Just a little test sample of some of the new guys get a little bit weirdness with OU and Texas still in there. And then I'm ready for the full 16 next year. For sure. A lot of excitement for sure. And I'll ask you, um, is there any bit of sadness, uh, with OU leaving the Big 12, any any what what are your vibes with this final season? I mean, I'm excited for the final season. Blake alluded to it. I think it's going to be fairly competitive. I think as we get into it, it's not going to be as competitive as it was last year. I mean, last year in retrospect, it was pretty clear who was going to win it all. But the Big 12 was really up in the air, and, and I, I believe on the preseason rankings, you had like preseason five and six in terms of Big 12 predictions general consensus, not the schooner pod that ended up playing for the championship two years ago, Baylor, I think on odds had the second to last odds to win it. We kind of all agreed that they were the least likely to win it a couple of years ago and then they won it. So it, it should be a, a competitive conference. I don't know that it's going to be as competitive as, as last year as we dive into that, but I'm very excited. I uh, am very excited for what I think is going to be the, the outcome for the final year of OU and Texas in the Big 12. We'll dive into it. Um, a lot of the, the odds setters and everyone else kind of have a, a general consensus on who the two teams in the Big 12 championship are most likely to be. I think it would be absolutely hilarious if that plays out as we are about to get into. But I, I think it is sort of bittersweet to be leaving. The Big 12 made some moves that unfortunately – should have been made years and years ago that maybe would have changed outcomes, but you know, you, you never know what, what is going to happen when, when things change. And I think ultimately I subscribe to the conspiracy theory that OU and Texas saved the big 12 by leaving it. I mean, I don't, I don't think you're wrong in a way. 
I, I don't think the Big 12 would have ever been able to do this if OU and Texas didn't blow up college football and destabilize the Pac-12. But, you know, um, either way, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, it we the Big 12 was never going to have the Arizona teams or Colorado in it if OU and Texas stayed, if nothing shook, shook the boat. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome, Big 12. Uh, Jameson, your thoughts on the final year of the Big 12. We uh, obviously grew up with this conference uh, the whole way, seeing a lot of changes. How, how are you feeling? I feel really good. And as an OU fan, obviously, we're really looking towards the future. But I think having this last year in the Big 12, even though we get to we don't have to play all of those teams that we have these wonderful memories with. And if you want to kind of live back on those memories, go back and look at our bye-bye series that we did this offseason where we went through all of the original, not original, but like the one uh, Big 12 teams that are there the past couple of years, not the new additions. And we kind of did a little memory section there. So go check that out. Um, but it'll be fun to get something new and play, you know, like in Provo for BYU. Um, you know, play Central Florida at home and get to talk about the Dylan Gabriel connection. I think I think it's going to be a really fun season. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not your standard uh, OU Big 12 season we've had. It, it's going to be fun uh, going to Nippert Stadium, all of that. Uh, it'll be cool. Um, so anyways, let's get right into it. Now, as we mentioned, we're only ranking the top 10 teams. So there are four teams out and we have three teams that we in consensus have not in the top 10. That would be Cincinnati, Houston, West Virginia. All four of us agree that neither of the none of those teams are in. So two newcomers not cracking uh, the top ten. Um, I got and I got to ask. Um, and then West Virginia, who is kind of at the bottom. Like I got to ask absolute you, poverty tier. <laughs> yeah, that this is this is the trash tier. Like universally agreed upon to be garbage like, everyone if everyone ranked you know did anyone here not do um just all 14 because i did 14 i knew that west virginia was gonna be the easiest 14 who do we so we no, all, i, I did, so i only sit in my top 10 so the i i know but like but i the way i made my yeah. ranking beforehand i did like all 14 and i said oh west virginia 14 easy and i didn't even have to think about it mm-hmm. i I did not have West Virginia at 14. Oh, he put Houston at 14? I did not put Houston at 14. Oh, wow. I think Cincinnati's Cincinnati going to be really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like. I think it's underrated just because like of how well they've done recently that Satterfield coming in there, taking over, when basically everybody in that program has either left for the NFL draft or has hit the transfer portal. They don't really have anybody on the defensive side of the ball. I never loved Emory Jones. I didn't like him at Florida. Did not like him at ASU. I definitely don't like him at Cincinnati. I just think they're kind of a under-the-radar bad team just because of, I guess, like the last few years' success. Like, I think they're going to have – they have no talent on that roster. Yeah, I I mean, it's – to me, it's the Satterfield thing and the total drain. It's that – but I think people are going to overrate them just because of that logo and – you know, that you saw him in the playoff recently. I don't have him last. I kind of think Houston's going to be pretty bad. Um, but I, I mean, honestly, to me, it's a crapshoot between those three and my fourth team, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, Ty, um, what are your thoughts on these teams? Yeah, no, I'm actually so far, I'm 100% with Blake. I think buying Cincinnati right now, you're basically buying the Cavs right as LeBron left and going, oh, well, it's, it's the Cavs, but then they don't have anyone that, that made them. Um, who they were. I think West Virginia, 
you know, I was looking at West Virginia's schedule. I thought it was funny. They're arguably, I think, maybe the easiest case, like we just talked about, for being the worst. But I love the intangibles with West Virginia. Like I always talk about, every time we talk about West Virginia, no matter who's the coach, they always just seem to play scrappy. And I think that sort of inches them above Cincinnati, who I'm not expecting a lot from, um, and, and maybe even Houston, who I'm not expecting a lot from when it comes to sort of the final Big 12 standings. But like we said, we were all in consensus with all these teams being at the bottom. Um, and I just thought, you know, again, West Virginia arguably makes even less sense to be in the Big 12 now with these new teams. And uh, I think my final note on, on these bottom few is every time I see Houston, I'm just saddened and, and ashamed. I know this is going to set Blake off, but there's no reason that Houston should have been added and, and SMU not. I mean, SMU at least has no, no, no. tradition. <laughs> SMU has tradition and brings academics and brings money. Houston brings nothing to the conference. So, but that's why we're leaving. No, they, at least Houston invested $250 million into the facilities, has a great basketball program, actually shows yeah, like they give a damn, where SMU is now trying to backfill that, like being like, oh, we're really late to the party. Now let's just try to like throw money <laughs> at this and hopefully solve it. It was the right decision to add Houston, even though I don't think Houston fans really exist. Yeah, they're, they're just commuter. Uh, they're commuter fans for sure. All right, so I will say, Blake myself and Jameson all had this had uh we're in consensus consensus on our fourth and you can bet on it it's Iowa State folks we have Iowa State uh four, fourth out but Ty has them as his 10th team um Ty why are you uh why why was uh, Iowa State in your opinion uh, excluded from this pit of yeah business. I just I feel like I feel like Iowa State just on coaching and everything. They have the potential to win those close games. I understand, you know, had the worst record the past two years in picking games when it comes to the weekend spread. But I just, I like what Iowa State does in close games. I still think they're they're not the team that they were a few years ago, but I still think they're that team that's going to do a lot of little stuff well, even if the players aren't that amazing. And even if the expectations aren't that great, my thought process here is the same as my West Virginia not being dead last. On paper, they should be worse, but I think those intangibles, I think that sort of team spirit and that atmosphere that their coaching staff and everyone else brings will probably carry the day if they get into those close game situations. So I think that just sort of inches them out of the bottom four in, in my book. Yeah, I, I get that. I just think everything going on with the controversy of – uh, yes. the, the gambling controversy sinks them. Their starting quarterback, there's no way he plays another game in college football. Starting running back, also just done. I, I Iowa State is a ship on fire right now. They weren't very good last year, and I mean this year, just the amount of disaster around them. I I wouldn't touch this team with a ten and a half foot pole. Is there any news out? Like, is Hunter Decker going to be like eligible to play? Um, I understand that video came out, but I don't know how damning that is. I guess we need to bring in our legal expert on the case. All right, I think like... this is like now outside of the NCAA. Like this is like could <laughs> actually be like this could actually be like chart like federal or not federal charges, but like actual criminal charges against them if they're betting on their own games that they're playing in. Yeah, but what about the Hunter Decker specific thing of him being a big old dingus drunk? Yeah, at the he's bar? just an idiot. Like he's just an idiot. <laughs> and like, the best part no, of the video no, is that I will thing. say. 
he is not that dumb, right? He he hoped, he reminded them that it was illegal <laughs> and not the same yes. video. <laughs> and then proceed to say, then proceed to say, don't show that to anybody at the end of the video, which just like seals it shut. Is that the knowledge? That also, the that. knowledge that she was an Iowa fan. She's a rival <laughs> fan. What are you doing? <laughs> It explains the past. It explains the last year with Iowa State, a competent defense. Uh, as y'all remember on the weekend spread last year, I was beating the drum that Iowa State wasn't that bad because in advanced metrics they really weren't. Their or their defense was incredible, but their offense stinks. And if they don't have two of their players that were like I don't even think great players, but ones they were going to rely on heavily, I I'm not with Ty on this one, but I'm glad somebody's carrying uh, uh carrying that water this year that Iowa State really isn't that bad i think i think I, Ty, to be clear i think these bottom the bottom like five teams in the big 12 there is very little separating them in my book like it's it's sort of like you're trying to build a, a sandcastle out of mud here you know they're all they're all going to sink to the same level of muck i think but eventually something's sort of going to be on top just barely yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, looks like that. it looks like Hunter Deckers has pled not guilty, and he has not left the program left um, yet. Like some of his other teammates that um, are getting charged with this, there's no final you know punishment yet. Can we have a Hunter Deckers return? I am cheering for it so hard just to see him come back and get absolutely clowned. Um, Iowa State, like I said, with you know our good old friend PJ Fleck. It's just all these funny stories that came out this um, offseason. It's so easy to cheer against them. And I will be cheering against Iowa State for this whole season. Yeah, I will say Iowa State seems like a team that, you know, won't be very good, but will sneak up and bite teams randomly. You know, Ames is obviously a really tricky place to play. And I don't know, we could we they have a lot of like those weird upset potential games at home. So we'll see how that goes. But um, let's talk about the team that... Uh, Ty has out has in his uh final like just flunked four. Uh he went with the Kansas Jayhawks. Oh uh, not included. And because of that, let's reveal who uh where everyone has Kansas on their list. Blake has the Jayhawks in 10th. Jameson has him in nine. And look, I'm optimistic oh, about my guy Lance Leifold. I have yes, KU in seven. Seven. <laughs> Bobby's a sucker for those storylines and that momentum. He just loves it. They get better every single year, and I know that. Well, I know that's a lot. Yeah. Well, what is the reference range here? The, their reference range has been nothing. Of course, they're getting better. There's only so much you can go down. They were six and seven last year. Obviously, a rocky end uh, at the end, at, at, on the back end. But look, I I think Leipold and those guys have have something going here. I think I think there's actual momentum in Kansas for the first time in forever. Uh, I agree. Like, okay, the, the good thing about Kansas is Lance Leipold, obviously great, great offensive coach. Like, whenever we saw Jason Bean come in, although he was no Jalen Daniels, he was still one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the Big 12 last year. So we know that system is going to score points. And if Jalen Daniels stays healthy, I think they will do very well. They can go 6-6 six and six and make a bowl game. But the big but is like if Jalen Daniels goes down, that team is screwed. Their defense sucks, and I don't horrible, think it's getting much better. Defense. Like horrible. Like we saw it at the end of last season. Like after Jalen Daniels went down, they were not in games. They were getting blown out. They were probably fortunate that they had a softer schedule on the front. 
with some hype that like got the team rallied behind them. I just yeah, that defense, that defense is so bad. When it, when all these Big Twelve teams really are solid on both sides of the ball, I just don't think their offense is that unworldly that it like boosts them up over a lot of these Big Twelve schools. So ten ten is where they're staying for me. Yeah, it really comes down to the defense with Kansas. Like Jalen Daniels, I think is he's very talented, and the way that he played last year is for real. Obviously, you know the injury really did kind of bog him down a little bit, and and obviously Lance Leipold did do a really good offensive scheme to get receivers open, and you know you could tell a lot of that success in that Kansas offense was the play calling. Um, but but it's a huge but. You can't be a one sided team in college football. You know I think that their hype was so caught the league so off guard that it kind of evened out at the end of the season, like Blake said. And I'm just really curious to see how many teams are going to take Kansas legitimately serious now whenever they come into town. I know whenever they see Jalen Daniels is one of the more, you know, obviously not counting the Texas people, like one of the more hyped up quarterbacks in the Big 12, people are going to actually take that as a challenge now when it comes down to their defense. And before that, I guarantee you, a lot of these defenses were like, it's Kansas. I'm chilling this whole week. And I went to the bars Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, no, and I get that. I just, I feel like they have a, a pretty favorable schedule uh, at home too. I, I feel like getting BYU, UCF in, uh, they play some kind of light teams on the road. Uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Um, and, you know, a couple home games where it's like, yeah, I, I can see that getting interesting. You know, like they play they play tech at home. I can see them getting weird and winning that game. Um, so for me, I, I have them at seven. I know it's optimistic, but, you know. Oh, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting yeah. anything less from you, Bobby. We yeah, all knew this. Yeah, we all knew. I'm proud of the seven because I thought it could have gone on as high as six or five no, no, whenever no. I was looking at it. I, I got some spice on this list, man. Y'all, y'all I, are gonna... oh, no, oh, no. I know Bobby was smoking <laughs> something today before making this list. <laughs> he left to cook of his random takes. I do want to say on, on Kansas, Bobby touched on their schedule. I was I was not going to break into let's look at the schedule this early, but I, I look at Kansas's Big 12 schedule. I think They have a very favorable out-of-conference schedule, I think. I think Kansas – arguably we're looking at bowl eligible Kansas at the end of the year. But when I look at their big 12 schedule, I don't think whether it's home or away, I don't, I can't confidently say they're going to beat UCF or, you know, any of these other Texas tech. I think that's an absurd take Bobby to say that Kansas might win that one, but BYU, I don't know. We'll get into BYU here soon, but other than that, you know, maybe uh, they can beat Iowa state. Certainly they beat Cincinnati, but I look at this schedule and I'm looking at Kansas with maybe three wins. I, I'm pretty, pretty confident in saying 100% they'll have at least two conference wins, but I just don't, I don't know. This is what I was talking about with these bottom teams. I mean, it's all, this is why they're in my bottom four. I think maybe it goes down to a head to head between Iowa state and Kansas. I just don't see a whole lot of differentiation. Obviously Kansas has the weapons to make things happen. Uh, they did in the past, but we'll see. It just makes me nervous when you get your easier games on the road for Kansas. I feel like they're hosting a lot of their heavy hitters on their schedule. And like OSU, Iowa State, Cincinnati on the road, that kind of scares me. Those are those are probably going to be your three that you're circling of like, we can beat these teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think Cincinnati I think that, is traveling yeah. for Cincinnati, I think is a big blow because that is one of the ones that I think realistically could be a win, but so late in the season too, you might be so beat up and... Yeah, the bottom could fall out absolutely here. 
Um, Kansas will steal games. They're going to have an upset or two. That's just the way that they're 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 made. But I think there's going to be some games where they're upset as well. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, let's fill out the rest of our tens. Jameson, you and I have the same team in tenth, the BYU Cougars. Uh, now Ty has them in eighth, and uh, Blake also has them in eighth. So everyone's kind of like likewise uh, thinking here. Uh, Jameson, why are you uh, low on the Cougars like myself? See, the thing is, I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was too low with BYU. I, I mean, they have like a lot of people that they're losing, and Blake's favorite player that he likes to talk about is Puka Nakua being gone. And how much of a Keaton Slovis guy are you? I, I think that's really what it comes down to. And I think Blake just meet, might be a bigger Keaton Slovis guy than I. I think so. I think so. Like, I, I really liked that move. I'm not going to lie. I, he's an experienced – like, he's not a great quarterback, but he's an experienced college quarterback that I think at a BYU is going to be protected a little bit more on the line of scrimmage than uh, Pitt last year. I felt like Pitt, he was just running around for his life the time, like, he did play. So I'm I'm high on Keaton Slovis, and I – yeah, I'll let you continue on your BYU stuff, though. <laughs> I just feel like BYU was really, really inconsistent last year. Um, I mean, we saw them get like a pretty solid win against Baylor, but they got blown out against Liberty. They lost to Eastern Carolina at home. Um, you know, you lose to you lose to Arkansas at home by a pretty substantial margin. And then these other teams that they're playing, they don't they didn't look that impressive. It wasn't like they're blowing, you know, the the random crappy independent teams that they usually play on their schedule. It wasn't like they're they're blowing them out. So to me, it's like how are they going to handle that step up to the big 12? I, I think they're going to, I think people think they'll do better because of their brand, but I just really don't see it this year. I think long-term, I think BYU is a threat in the big 12 this year. I just don't think they're there. Yeah. And I, I get that. Like the, I feel probably at the four new teams, I feel most confident that a BYU this season in a sense of just like, I feel like there's a high floor there. They're a high floor program. They were an independent that was playing a lot of power five schools before this. It was like a UCF, although like you could tell by my rankings, I'm probably going to be higher on UCF. Like they probably have more talent, but I think BYU is more suited and has dealt with P5 programs on a more consistent basis than these other three teams that came from the Americans. So I like Keaton Slovis. I think their defense was horrible last year. I think their new hire at defensive coordinator, supposedly he's like doing a guns a blazing type of defense. Uh, nothing safe. They're a mature team. I feel like all BYU teams are old. You've never found a young, <laughs> inexperienced BYU team. So it's a high floor program that I just like. I have to rank. Like, although I I, I don't see them in that next that next tier. I think they're not gonna. They're definitely not gonna be in that bottom tier by the end. Let of the it year, be known. Good. I know why Blake's high on them. It's not Keon Slovis. It's their running back is a transfer from UNLV. He is, which is a wild, <laughs> which is a wild move. <laughs> Vegas, Provo, Utah. <laughs> Both cities founded by Mormons. Hey, I'm a, after this whole Utah stuff uh, with them joining the Big 12, I've become more of a BYU fan than a Utah fan, which is something I would not have said last year. So props to the Cougs. Ty, your thoughts on the Cougs? Yeah, so here's what I'm thinking about BYU. I, my first thought, and this kind of goes, this will tie into Central Florida, like Blake kind of touched on as well. I feel like <laughs> Blake and I might be sort of equal in the rankings, but BYU, I think, has, I think the new teams, if they're not garbage tier like Houston, have an advantage of just 
no one has ever played this BYU team really within the Big 12. It's just it's completely different. Like you said, it's a mature team. It's a weird place to travel to for people that have to go to BYU. And I almost think there's a sort of a house money situation with them coming in. I think there's going to be a ton of motivation on their end to do as well as they can right from the start. And I think there's going to be a novelty that plays into their hand a little bit. And then I look at their Big 12 schedule. I mean, they get Kansas, they get Cincinnati, they get West Virginia, they get Iowa State, they get Oklahoma State. They have, you know, they have to play OU, they have to play Texas, they have to play TCU, they have to play Texas Tech. But when I look at this Big 12 schedule, if I'm just looking at sort of a neutral baseline, like who do I think is top half, who do I think is bottom half, BYU I think has at least, you know, 60% of their schedule is bottom half. So I think there's just a higher chance for them to do something there. So I like BYU at, at eight. I mean, same as Blake, obviously not too highly uh, up there, but I think like Blake said, I don't see BYU at the very bottom down in the mud tier. I don't think they're very high in the middle tier. I think maybe there's four tiers to the big 12 this year, but I, I don't think that they are anywhere close to the, the very bottom. I think the team I have at number nine could go mid tier or they could go into the mud BYU. I don't think, like Blake said, high floor. I don't see him going into the mud. I just, I think they got a really, I honestly think they got kind of a tough schedule uh, in a way, you know, yeah, they get West Virginia, but they have to go all the way over to Morgantown. That's a pretty brutal trip. Um, you know, Iowa State at home, that actually looks a lot better, but, you know, going on the road to Texas, going to TCU, uh, even at KU, not great, at Oklahoma State, you know, in Boone Pickens on senior night, they just, they just kind of got a really crappy draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this about the, on the schedule, and I think Ty kind of iterated this. You know, yes, they have to play Texas and Oklahoma. You know, they're going to think those are L's. But a lot of their other games, they're they're avoiding kind of like the rest of the pack that's kind of like that. Like they're avoiding Kansas State, you know, which I think is a big thing. I think important, they're not playing UCF or Central Florida, as Ty calls them, right? So, like, they're still avoiding some of those games where it'd be, like, a little bit more dicey, you know, closer lines. They might just get their L's with Texas and Oklahoma, but they can kind of work up and get higher in the standings to where they will be out of that bottom tier um, in terms of their spot. I get that. I get that. I also want to say this doesn't contribute to the Big 12, but they week three they'll play Arkansas as well. So I think they get – they're going to be coming into their conference schedule, even if that's a loss – you know, they're going to they're gonna have that sort of first punch and it's not going to daze them as much, whether that's a win or a loss. They're going to play a hard football game before they get into conference play. There's some other teams uh, that are, you know, have a pretty good out-of-conference opponent as well, but I think that plays into their hand here, even if they lose that one. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, let's move into a team that uh, three of us put them at nine. And that's the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, so... Me, Blake, Jameson, I'll have the pokes at nine. I have them at eight. Eight. Jameson um, has them at eight. My bad. Um, yeah. So the Cowboys, um, obviously not great last year. Uh, not a great offseason. Lost a lot in the transfer portal. Uh, didn't get a ton back, if we're being honest. But guys, this schedule is just so, so light. Yeah. And here's the thing I'm looking at it, and I want Ty's opinion on this. You a big Alan Bowman guy? Because we're about to see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the iron lung, as we used to call him with his collapsed lung. Man, I here's my thing with 
Oklahoma State. I completely agree, Bobby. I was struggling with with Oklahoma State, Kansas, and BYU in this little section. I think it could go either way with those. But my whole process of looking at it, I thought Oklahoma State's schedule was just a little bit more, you know, conducive to them, uh, you know, getting to that point. So, I mean, like, let's just take a ride through Oklahoma State's schedule with me. For um, They go on the road to Iowa State in their first Big 12 game. I think that that can be a good W for them. They get Kansas State at home. That's going to be tough. But, you know, Kansas at home, West Virginia on the road, Cincinnati at home. Then they have Bedlam, UCF, Houston, BYU. I think that is a very favorable schedule. Whenever it comes down to it, I'm just not too worried about them coming out on top versus the BYU and Kansas tonight. That's why I have them at eight. Like, the schedule's super easy, uh, but they just have nobody left. This defense was really – they started out so hot last year. The defense wasn't great. The Their hire they got, new innovative guy, but they didn't really add much on that side of the ball via the transfer portal like Bobby said. Their offense last year, which was kind of keeping them afloat at the beginning of the season, loses their starting quarterback, loses their starting running back, and loses four of their top five receivers – it's they lost 2,000 yards of receiving via those four mm-hmm. wide receivers. Like, it's insane how much they lost. And it's like, okay, they still have their in, number one wide receiver, though, Blake. You know, that's, that's I, yeah, that's fair, but you lose all your depth and you're really not gaining that much. And you're bringing in now Alan Bowman to write the ship. And I just feel <laughs> like the the top the levels of the Big 12s is rising when it comes to those just middle tier programs. Like, Kansas is no longer a doormat. We even talked about Iowa State, West Virginia, all them kind of being feisty, and we don't even know about the American teams. I just think Gundy's lost his fastball. He's really not meant for this new age of college football, and it's reminding me a lot of what Gary Patterson was doing at the end of his career, but at least, like, Gary Patterson was still bringing in, like, legitimate recruiting classes. OSU doesn't recruit very well. They don't seem to be developing all too well anymore. And on top of it, nobody transfers in there. So it's just kind of their lack of talent has caught up with the fact that they've been just so, like, they've been so good for so long at developing people. And now it, they're, they've just lost that edge. And it's sad to see, but I think Gundy's probably on his way out soon. Yeah. Past two classes were in the 50s. So pretty tough. Ty, your thoughts on the pokes? Yeah. First off, on the Alan Bowman slander. OU would have been eight and four with him last year, just to clarify. (laughs) He is not a good quarterback, but we are not ones to throw stones. Um, Completely lost my train of thought. Oh, (laughs) Oklahoma State, super, super favorable schedule. I think, I mean, even, I I think this one is just, this is the first, like, I don't know team. I'm almost putting them up here just off of giving them the benefit of the doubt. I put them below BYU just because. Like I said, I don't see a, a situation where BYU has a total collapse. I see a situation where they just drop a bunch of games, but they might be close games. I can see total collapse from this Oklahoma State team, even with a super easy schedule. That's really the only differentiator between eight and nine for me. Like we talked about, they lost a bunch of people. Spencer Sanders, uh, I think, went to go play with his dad at Colorado, maybe. I don't know. Um <laughs> Oh, that wasn't that good. That was not that good. No, it's just, no. That's just um, horrible. Boo. Uh, I completely lost. I mean, I'm excited to see him at Ole Miss. That'll be interesting. 
Um, but yeah, I, just I do indeed I know where he went to the transfer portal. Yeah, seeing him ride on the bench in Adol Miss, that's what we're gonna watch him doing. He's gonna be holding up the little cards, he's gonna be wearing the little hat doing the hand signals with the vest. That's right. what he's gonna be doing. Jackson Dart. Here. Oh, weird, weirdly colored like the hat that doesn't match any of the school's other branding, like a green hat or something like that with the oldest logo on it. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, Super favorable schedule, but I think if they had a tougher schedule, they'd easily be bottom four for me. I just, I don't know what this, I don't think their ceiling is very high, I think is Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. I can see their floor being abysmal, but I don't see their ceiling being much higher than seven, best case scenario, just on head-to-heads because they have such an easy schedule, but yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing with them. They do not have depth like blake said and that is going to make sure like everyone knows that their floor is going to be low because of their depth but they still have some guys that are going to you know make big plays and pop you know colin clay like these are okay preps guys these three guys are all okay preps all oklahoma colin clay preseason all big 12 kind of guy dealt with injuries but you know he's been there for a long time and he's you know great edge rusher um kendall daniels played great as a freshman for them um, guy that we thought Oklahoma was going to get for a long time because Oklahoma State and looking pretty good that he went out there um, getting play early. He was, you know, one of the best freshmen in the Big 12. That he played. And then Brendan Preston is just an electric playmaker. You know, Alan Bowman can give him a couple bubble screens. And hopefully he can go out and make a play for himself. So understand the concern about Oklahoma State. But me ranking them eight and y'all making them not, ranking them nine, I just don't think we have too much of a different of opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think we're far off. I think we have the same ideas about the pokes for sure. Um, all right, let's move on to our next team. And I'm going to be honest, you know, up until now, we've been pretty lockstep with these teams. This one's all over the place. Uh, I, I have a mate. Uh, Ty. Ty has him fifth. Jameson <laughs> has him six. And Blake has them seventh. It's wow. the Central Florida yeah, There they are. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so a, very, a very polarizing team <laughs> for the board. You know, Ty, I'll let you kick this one off. Uh, why I are just, you so high on, on Central Florida? The Citronauts. I, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm just so excited for Blake to see six and seven. Um, it's not, I don't even care that they're at five. It's when he sees six and seven, we're going to have a time on this podcast. Look, so I I do have a serious explanation for this though. I think central Florida more than any other team coming in cares so deeply, whether they are, you know, talent level there or not. I think they are going to bring 1,000% effort into every game. I like their schedule for the team that they are. I mean, looking at their Big 12 schedule, they have K-State. I think that's pretty easily a loss. Baylor, I think they can win that one. Kansas, I think that might be a sneaky, really fun game. I think Kansas, if they stay healthy into early October, which shouldn't be hard, that could be a cool shootout. I think they dropped the OU game, but who knows with this OU team. West Virginia, I think they got that one. Cincinnati, I think they got that one. Oklahoma State, I think they got that one. Texas Tech, we'll see with Tech, but that might have cool potential. And then Houston, I think they have that one. So they have a very easy schedule. And then like I talked about with BYU, although they're playing a lot of new people, there is that, there's that novelty, right? No one else has played this UCF team. 
UCF generally has sneaky talent in terms of guys who, whether they're developed or not, outperform their sort of star level and everything else. I just, I really am high, not super high, obviously, you know, mid of the road on these rankings, but I like this Central Florida team to be able to win close games. And I think that differentiates them here. Uh, this is a bit of a spicy, t- I do understand this is a bit of a spicy take, but um, I like him at five. I do want to say before someone else, t- I, I, my number five is sort of on the same tier as my number eight. I do want to clarify, like five through eight, I think are all in one tier could go either way. So I don't think we're as mixed up as it maybe would seem. I, I think there's a I think there's a tier that breaks off at Oklahoma State, Kansas, and BYU, and it cuts into this seven, six, five for me, I'd say. Yep. Um Central Florida, as we're gonna continue to call them this year because it seems like that just messes with them in their head instead of UCF. I don't know why. Uh that's a formal name, Jameson. <laughs> that's exactly right. The thing is like they have some really good returning guys, and um here's the thing. I know some of y'all not really won't believe in John Reese Plumley, but I like what he brings to the field. And I know Blake um, doesn't. Um. <laughs> I like John Reese Plumley, and he did me well in the weekend spread last year in a couple of the games. I was happy with him. But the thing is, like, they've also got, like, a pretty good defensive returning um, team. And, like, also their t- I think two of their top wide receivers are also returning as well for, for Plumley and his targets. They got a first team all preseason Big 12 and Jason Johnson at the linebacker position. And then three other guys that are on the third team, all Big 12 on their defense. So if Plumley can keep take another step, I know Blake wants to say something about that. Um, they at least have some talent on the back end of their defense where I think that they can differentiate it, differentiate themselves from teams like Oklahoma State, Kansas, and BYU. Like I just yeah, John Reese Plumley is kind of a bum. He can't really throw that much. All he does is run. He's just kind of like if you converted a safety to quarterback and threw him out like back so there. He's exactly the like throw. Anthony Richardson, who you love. No, he's <laughs> exactly like Anthony Richardson, a bum quarterback in Florida. Top ten, <laughs> top ten prospect. The NFL scouts see what I saw. I was on that one for the longest time. That shows the type of brain I have. Maybe the field I should go into after my current one, just because I recognize that talent early. But John Reese Wembley, I can tell you, can't throw. So Jameson's points about oh, the two best wide receivers are coming back. They're catching like ten balls all season. This man can't throw. This man can't really play that much. They're going to be a one-dimensional team, but I think they have decent amount of talent on it to like keep them at the top of like that back tier or not back tier or this mid tier whatever we're calling it uh but yeah they're just not gonna be very good i just think they're gonna be all right i think they're kind of in the byu situation high floor but have a little bit more proven pieces so i rank them a little bit higher but yeah i i'm not as confident on john rice Plumley. god he's just a <laughs> two sport athlete guy doesn't really know how to throw doesn't really care about two sport athletes what's his really other don't... what's his other sport baseball and they he just doesn't, he can't throw. Oh, I I want to just run in baseball. I haven't as well. paid attention to UCF baseball, but that man's probably has like a eight ERA, three <laughs> hit like three hit by pitches a game because that man has capacity. I've seen him throw the football. So. Also, John Reese Plumley just sounds like a baseball guy name. Like, yeah, that that makes sense. I, he, to me, I think UCF just he fit perfect. That's oh, a perfect old Miss name. <laughs> he's that an outfielder. He's not even a pitcher. Because oh, I feel like oh. I feel like a quarterback. If you're a quarterback and you're also a pitcher, like your arm would fall off. Yeah, that was a reach of an analogy. Winston was. James Winston was a pitcher. 
James Winston's a freak. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Not John Reese Pumley. <laughs> in in many like ways, be, John Reese Pumley <laughs> sounds like you don't know. John Reese Pumley sounds like he should be on the Say oldest it, IM field. Say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it ain't that bad. I thought you were um, gonna make a James Winston analogy. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need to. James we don't need to get it cooking right now on NFL Network. But keep on watching us. Don't don't change. Crab legs. <laughs> All right, we got we got to move on from that. Original right. jokes. <laughs> definitely not yeah that that definitely isn't a 10 year old joke uh all right let's move on to another one this is kind of another varied one and it's gonna be this one this one might elicit some responses mm, we got the baylor bears oh uh, yes yes so i'm high i'm high on baylor i got him five uh ty has him at seven jameson has him at seven blake also has him at five so a little bit of a split decision here um Blake, as a Baylor alum, yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on the Bears at five? Yeah, I think uh, I still love Dave Aranda so much. I think he's one of the best football coaches because he's the only like football coach that really is introspective. Uh, besides maybe your Sabins, like mid twenty tens, like Dave Aranda gets it. He gets what he's not good at and immediately goes out and finds solutions for that. I think last year, like he was, he was very honest he was like we weren't physical enough i didn't do a great job in the portal didn't go get enough guys i feel like they got enough guys this year where if blake shapen's just a decent quarterback i richard reese is probably the best running back uh the best running back in the uh big 12 this year um i think they're they have good coaches to build line play. That's their weak point. I think offensive line is definitely their weakest point, but mm-hmm. the BYU guys and Grimes and I can't remember the other guy's name always built consistent lines at BYU. They brought in two of the BYU brothers to come in to fill, like fill some of those spots. So the reloading in those key spots. And I just feel like this team was really a lot better than the record said last year. I just think, Baylor goes through this. They go through these high highs, immediately dip down, and then shoot back up. They've had the most tumultuous like last like 10 or 15 years if you look at their records. They can't seem to like string together two good seasons together. I think it's just a, it's a rebound year. It's a rebound year. I don't see how you would think a UCF that's a one-dimensional, you know what you're gonna get with UCF. You I I don't get how you could ever put them in front of a Baylor, which has, I think, potential upside, could be your texts, your even like a TCU, like they can start punching in that like three, four range. So yeah, yeah. I, that's why I have them as high as five. I I had them flip flopping bef- uh, between uh, four and five myself. I, I'm pretty pretty high on the Bears to bounce back. I like Aranda. Um, I honestly, I'm not going to uh, go into it because I think Blake, you kind of nailed it on 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 the head. He's a guy who is super critical on on himself. Doesn't have a big ego and knows how to fix things. And I feel like Baylor bounces back. Um, schedule seems solid to me. Uh, obviously a pretty tough non-conference having uh, Utah come into town. But um, no, I, I think I think Big 12-wise, this Baylor team will surprise folks. Um, pretty, pretty brutal end of the season last year, running into Texas, Kansas State, and TCU back to back to back. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think they're poised for a bounce back year and are, 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 we'll sit around like five. And it's going to be a bad, bad year whenever they lose to Texas State at home in their first No! Stop. <laughs> <laughs> the mighty Boca. Stop! 
<laughs> that Texas, as Bobby and I covered, that Texas State team is going to be bad. They're going to be very, very bad. No, that's Here's- good. That's that's good though, because that means we could get like some Texas State plus thirty action. Yes, the value. <laughs> I'm going to be eating that porridge, even though it's going to be hot. I'm going to take it down. Uh, here, here's my thing with Baylor. I, I like Baylor as well. And it sucks. Like whenever you see seven and y'all have five, it's like, oh, that's a big jump compared to y'all. My thing was like, I'm kind of thinking about UCF and Baylor and who would I get the, like the head to head win there. I think, you know, this could be a tiebreaker situation. UCF plays them at home. So I just have UCF winning that home game over Baylor. And that's why I picked UCF over Baylor in this situation. I think Baylor will succeed this year. And I think they kind of saw it this um, last year as well, but they didn't do it as much as I wanted them to is stop trying to make shape in this guy that they thought he was two years ago. I just don't think he's really shown a lot to where like he can be like an alpha quarterback that the big 12 has shown to be where it's going to come down to is the run game. You know, Reese is a hell of a running back. He is, he's not probably the best running back in the big 12. He is. And then, you know, get Dominic Richardson as well um, coming over there. Uh, TCU, big L there, um, losing Dominic Richardson, by the way, Blake. Um, but they don't have squirrel anymore, which is kind of sad. Um, but still, like, that is they just need to like run the ball down people's throats and win their games like that. And you know, losing Siaki Ika is going to be a big thing, but you know, their defense will always be like good to moderate with a Randek coach. I'm just not a shapen believer to where I think he go on the road and win against the UCF, establishing that tiebreaker in terms of the standings of the Big 12. Oh, but you feel confident that John Reese Pumley will uh, beat teams down the stretch in key and <laughs> critical moments when he has to pass. Yeah, he's going to go up 28-0 to zero in the first quarter because he's an absolute flamethrower is what oh he God. is. <laughs> This is where the this is where storylines start for the full season, folks. I love it. Ty, what what are your well, thoughts? Because you're also kind of lowish. I, I can say this. I so one, like I said before, you know, my five through eight, really five through seven, I could go anyway. I went spicy putting UCF up here super high. I would not disagree whatsoever with what I'm presuming Blake's rankings to be five through seven. Um, I could see UCF being a firm number seven. I just wanted to go a little spicy. When it comes to Baylor, look, arguably, I think my argument for Baylor at seven is the same as Blake's argument for Baylor at five, and I couldn't have said it any better than Blake. Baylor is going to rely on their running attack, and the weakest part of their team is their offensive line. How does that make sense? That's who I have. You too. You just got a great, great gift right there, Bobby, with the no look handoff for the beer. I was summoning it. I'll be running the trick play in the background. (laughs) See, this is why you need to subscribe to our YouTube. We have these amazing graphics that Bobby's putting on right now, um, tracking our rankings, and then you get to see things like Bobby. Bobby has at least five hilarious moments that you don't get to hear or see during a podcast, like the time I sprinted to the bathroom during the March Madness pod. Exactly. See, you don't get those kind of stuff. So we're almost to 500 subs. Uh, I know this is the middle of the pod, kind of a little, you usually do this at the end, but help us out. It's almost a season. Get us to 500. We can monetize some content and get us some schooner pod bucks, some schooner coin. (laughs) Yeah, we've been been dry since old uh, old TPP and, uh, you know, croaked. So, you know, uh, definitely looking forward to monetizing again. Just keep keep subscribing, folks. We love it. We've had a really good push. Uh, towards the season so let's just get over the line get this thing done 
Um, any final thoughts on Baylor? Or should we move on to our next team? Yeah, let's move on. Let's do it. Okay, so this next team, um, I have them at six. Ty has them at six. Jameson has them at five. And Blake has them at three. Take a guess. Oh, you mother! <laughs> <laughs> no! There it is. No! You, the Frogs, uh, 13-2 last year, 10-4-1 against the spread, uh, over under set at 7.5 for TCU. Um, and, yeah, obviously we're a little bit lower on them than uh, the captain. Captain uh, Bowden Blake loves his Frogs this year. And Blake, I, I got to... I'm just going to let you go off because I can tell you're, you're a foeman and a frothing. This is a little ridiculous. And I feel like this started with Bobby's narratives of, oh, you lost all these people. We were losing like second string tight ends and stuff like that. And yet, like, it's still counting against our draft picks? production. Okay. No. Let me stop it, Bobby. We return basically all of our defense. We lose uh, THT and we lose a linebacker, but we're all back experienced. And if you watch that TCU team at the end defense of the year, key in the national championship game, it was, yep, yeah, that we don't talk about that, but our <laughs> defense is a bend. Don't break. It was key in that Michigan game. It was key at the end of the season, made the plays when it needed to. And we saw in the big 12, they really like, they got, better as the season went on and got used to Joe Gillespie's system. We saw it in that Texas game when we were holding to Texas. I don't even think to an offensive touchdown um, in that game. That defense was pretty solid by Big 12 standards by the end. We're returning mostly everybody on that side of the ball. And then you go to the offensive side. We lose two key, uh, I, I admit, two key linemen, quarterback, running back, two running backs, and our top wide receiver. Yeah. But we got some freaks coming back we got some freaks our our running back room it's gonna be running back by committee we got uh the alabama guy that got in a car wreck uh and hasn't <laughs> played in the like hasn't played Great in like start. two or three years uh but i think running back room is gonna be solid chandler morris was the guy who won the starting position last year the only reason why he didn't was just max duggan came out like a man on fire whenever he got the chance and like you can't relinquish in that uh, like that situation but who knows? Like Chandler Morse could be better than Max Duggan. Could have a better season. He was the one that was supposed to start for us all last year. We see his high highs of high whenever we beat Baylor and took him out of the playoff race two years ago. Chandler Chandler Morse is the truth. He's a really like he's going to be a really really good quarterback. And you combine that with the wide receiver room. Savion Williams comes back, who was just an absolute freak didn't get enough attention just because we had Darius Davis Tay Barber Quentin Johnson in there but he's gonna have his time to shine plus we got two or three guys from the portal that are Joe Joe Earl from Alabama yeah we got oh you was big in on on the recruiting Yep, and so big, big, uh, I like him. And then was it John Paul Richardson from OSU, little guy in the slot, going to be good for us? I understand the hesitancy with losing so much on the offensive side of the ball, but I think Sonny Dykes is putting on a clinic of how you keep a consistent football program at a small school whenever you're not recruiting these blue-chip talents. I think he used the portal perfectly reloading the offensive side of the ball. We got Brock Meyer, who's a former, he's the number one guy in Dallas, uh, went to Alabama, tackle, like he's coming home, like he's going to use the portal well. Kendall Bryles, I'm not so sure on that, but at least <laughs> has the similar <laughs> philosophy as Garrett Riley, where he's like, 
he's air raid principles, but is willing to run the ball when when they're not stacking the box. And I love that because I feel like that was the difference maker last year for TCU was when they relied on uh when they relied on Kendra Miller, when they relied on DeMarcado. So I am super excited about this team. I think it's like total wild card, total unknown. I blasphemy. I is mostly Ty. Like, I could understand. <laughs> I don't really get Bobby behind Baylor just because I think TCU has a significantly higher ceiling than Baylor. Bobby and I have them ranked equally. No, but you putting UCF in front of it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. Like, that is the ultimate you don't know ball that you take TCU and Baylor. Last time I heard you don't know ball, something <laughs> happened really poor to you. And San Diego State went all the way to the national. <laughs> they did not win. They did not win. I told you that. I, Different I, I, I sport. They wouldn't that. make Different it out of sport. the first round, Blake. I, I said they would not win. They did not win. They lost we to the did, national championship. No, you said they didn't win the championship either. And what happened? They still made it all that way. I knew it. I was never, never <laughs> uncomfortable, was never in doubt that they were going to lose in March Madness. I felt very comfortable about that fact. Uh, but yeah, Ty just showing how much, how little he knows ball right now. Two teams with higher ceilings behind UCF, which has like a the floor is the ceiling for UCF. They're going to be a pain in some people's asses, but they're really not going to do all too much. I don't get how a TCU, although unknown, it, the floor is not going to fall out. The floor is like the floor is raising. The ceiling is raising every single year. And I think this is going to be a pivotal time to show that TCU is going to be the premier program when it comes to the new Big 12 this year. So I'm excited for the season. I think they're going to do fantastic. I have them at three. Uh, I would put them at two if the number two team didn't have the softest schedule in the whole entire world. Um, that is unfortunate. Like TCU has to play a difficult schedule, but it's going to win a lot of games on that schedule. They're going to be proven. They're going to be tested. The team at number two, they're not going to be tested at all. They're playing like the little ladies of the poor on uh, like on Saturday mornings. Like I don't get how they got such an easy schedule, but uh, yeah, I think TCU is the, is a top tier uh, big 12 school, even with all the talent, uh, the, uh, the talent loss is talent loss. We reload, we use the portal correctly. So I'm excited. It's Chan God season, Bobby. I love it. I, 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 first of all, thank you for the deep dive and the optimist view of uh, the TCU Horn Frogs. We it's certainly uh, the best you'll hear of any OU podcast out there. Uh, great deep dive. And here's my thing I could see TCU do, being really good and making that jump to three. And I think overall, as a program, they're going to be very, very strong. My thing is, it's just a lot of guys to replace on a team that, while they were very good, they won a lot of really, really close games. They won a lot of narrow games. And you have to think that Sounds some of like those are well going to flip the other way. Sounds like um, they're well coached. I think that... <laughs> never freak out. Never They never back down in those close moments, Bobby. Remember that Baylor game? They they were out of it, according to all the statistics, and came back and won it. I know you 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 were texting us. It's all over, over and over again. You were you were you were down bad. I remember it, and I think that's my thing. I think TCU will be pretty good, like long term. I'm just kind of fading them a little bit this season. Um, I, it's just a lot of production loss. I could see them bouncing back, but to me, I I I kind of have them at six with this pretty tough schedule. You know, going on the road to Kansas State, going on the road to Oklahoma. Um, they just kind of had a really bad draw. Um, and you know, I think your point about schedules is important and, and true because 
this is a this is a ranking prediction, not really like which teams are better stacked up one to one. I think just TCU just kind of got a bad end of the stick, and that adds to it as well as the the program loss. Um, we'll see what happens with Sonny Dykes if he can come in fully refresh. Obviously, a lot of optimism. Love the five stars. Love the Bama guys. Um, but man, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just I, I just kind of have them where I do uh, because a little sus right now. Jameson. Yeah. Um, here's, here's my thing with the frogs. I, I do share some optimism here and I think five is right in that same spot. It comes down to, are they going to be better than Texas tech this year? Blake? Yes. I, yes. I, 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 I've been thinking about this. I might have to put a alert bet on this just to like really solidify how much I feel because I've been hearing all these talking heads talking up Texas tech. Everybody's taking a little Texas tech 11 to one to win the big 12. I'm willing to take on that heat this year. Just, I, we can get to it in a second, but yes, I, a potential alert bet is there for sure. It's already slated as a night game in Lubbock. TCU comes to town November 2nd. Yeah, it's a Thursday, though. There's going to be no fans there because their (laughs) fans don't travel to their home games. It's a Thursday night game, so... They'll be all of the... I don't know. Everyone in the panhandle will be there, Blake. They'll be rowdy and... I heard you know they don't go to school really anyway. buying in to this new program Texas Tech is putting forth. There is a hype. I can just sense this feeling amongst Texas Tech right now. But we're talking about TCU. Let me let me let me say a couple quick things about TCU, then we'll talk talk about Texas Tech here shortly. Um, I agree with Blake. I think they've got some fun transfers, but you know, teams don't have whenever they have just a bunch of turnover, even though even if they have like really, you know, good talented players coming through all of that turnover on the stars that they're losing is going to really hurt. Like whenever you are in a tough pickle and you're in a close game, yes, you rely on your coaching Blake, but also your stars go out and make plays. You know, how many times did Quentin Johnson go out, make a huge play Max Duggan ran the ball and he was could barely even breathe. He made big plays for that TCU program. Kendra Miller, you know, DeMarcado, those are guys that they leaned on and made huge, huge plays for them. You know, yes, the transfer players will have talent, but how many of these guys are like, I know TCU is going to be leaning on them this year. I agree that you didn't lose too much, but I think, you know, Hodgins Tomlinson and D winners as well, losing as well. And then Dylan Horton are going to be big losses for you. I think Johnny oh, Hodges. Johnny Hodges, though, is next yes, up, maybe. Yes, like, our yes, linebacking core. I am not, I'm not worried about our linebacking core. But D-Winners, you guys a, will uh, miss D-Winners. Yeah, D-Winners D, D was good, but out of all the spots on the defensive side of the ball, it's the spot I'm least worried about. I know that the linebacking core is going to still be solid. Yeah. I know that the secondary is going to be incredible. And then with Josh Newton, like, we have – we have a guy from Florida competing for like the third spot on there. We have a good secondary defensive line a little bit worried about, but that was kind of last year as well. So, yeah, I, what, I, what I'm trying to get at my overall I theme that I've said, and I'm going to say it again, is that the stars that they've lost, it's going to be tough for them in close games to lean on guys that they just have their first year as a TC Horn Frog. And that's, I think that's a really good point too. And I'll kick it to tie on the frogs here in just a quick moment. But, you know, even though Sonny Dykes was new, those guys had been together for years. The chemistry was there. It was a solid stand-up program that Gary Patterson built that got a little bit old. Did you see 
final two years, Bobby? Those were trash. What are you talking about? They were together. You're acting like they're winning eight, nine games. I'm a saying year. they're solid. They're they're still together though, you know. And my thing is, it just took he 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 did a great job of taking that that group, putting them to a next level that Gary never got them to because he was lackadaisical because whatever Gary was doing wasn't working. He brought fresh blood in, and to me, like that unit just. It'll, it'll take some time to get that chemistry back together. So we'll see how it goes. I, honestly, I, I just, I, I think that's a bigger loss than you're, you're kind of accounting for. Um, it, anyways, Ty, I really want to hear your thoughts on the frogs. Cause yeah. obviously you have close UCF. No, I think I, I agree. So again, I was being a bit spicy on my UCF take. I don't, it wasn't a troll take though. Like I, I stand behind my takes so far. Uh, but I, I agree with everything that everyone has said about this TCU team. I agree very much so with the things that Blake has said about this TCU team. I mean, I think they are, without a doubt, they could fumble it. But I think, in my opinion, they're, without a doubt, the best position team for what this new Big 12 is becoming, especially with the power vacuum and the way that they're trending. And I think this is going to be a, a spicy take. Blake is going to be offended by this take. Uh, but I, I like to think of this take as, as trolling the other schools mentioned as much as it's a compliment to TCU. I, TCU is a fairly small private school. I could see TCU being like the Miami of the new Big 12, like what Miami thinks they are, like a private school that can perform really, really well with their football program, can fund it at a fairly high level, can get buy-in from a, a locale. I think Dallas-Fort Worth, there's tremendous you know, local team buy-in potential if TCU plays their cards right and they can still maintain, you know, their their academic standards and everything else. I think TCU has a ton of potential to be really, really well positioned. I think I could make a like a USC comparison as well, but USC is just a massive, massive school, like literally twice the size of OU. So, um, you know, hard to make a comparison there, but I just don't, like you guys touched on, they won a lot of close games last year. And I think Blake is sort of undervaluing how key their players were in winning those games. I think TCU is not going to be bad. I mean, I, I see them doing really well, but it's just when they have to play Texas, when they have to play OU, when they have to play Texas Tech, even if they in they have to play Kansas State, when I start to look at the schedule, I think, yeah, even if they can sweep through the, the bottom ones, they have to play everyone that's expected to be at the top. So they can't really fake their way in. Like there's some teams in the Big 12 – as we dive into these schedules a little bit more who don't have to play all the top teams. So even if they would have lost to those teams, there's that question mark that might carry them into the big 12 championship game, potentially in some weird scenarios, TCU just doesn't have that. They have to face the music with everyone that's expected to be better than them. And if they drop those, you know, they're going to end up four, five, six, you know, maybe more like four, but we'll see. Man, Ty, you you nailed it there. Honestly, the I, because when you really think about it, I, I, while you were mentioning, I was like looking at my rankings. I'm like, yeah, they they kind of go through everybody tough. Everybody um, in everybody at the end of the schedule too. Like TCU yeah. probably is going to start five or six and zero oh before they like get to the meat of their schedule. Yeah, it's, it's gonna it's, yeah. It's gonna be yeah. It's, it's gonna be a tale. Of t- I mean, I think TCU could perform really, really well. I mean, TCU could be uh, what would it be ten and two at the end of the season? That wouldn't shock me either. But it's 
it's very much cupcake, 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 and then all of a sudden here it comes. Yeah, absolutely. I will say under yeah, unless the funniest thing of all time happens and Colorado beats them, and <laughs> then Colorado finishes with happening. one win and it's over TCU would actually be the funniest thing of all time. Man, there say, is. I, I will guarantee that game. There is no way. They, there is no way Colorado beats TCU. Absolutely no way. After seeing those, after seeing that practice film, after seeing how the Shador Sanders eight <laughs> touchdown, zero interceptions. I want to play that defense. I want to play that defense in that nice, steamy, 105 degree heat that I know will be at that 11 a.m. game. I'm ready for it because they are definitely not. I was just up in Colorado this last week. It's nice there, 60s. <laughs> Cool, no humidity. Yeah, they 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 haven't dealt with these conditions. You can't replicate how bad the summer has been. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I will say, Sean C in the comments is absolutely going off. Um, first of all, to make things easier, he did say John Reese probably will be working the drive-through at Dairy Queen in two years. So he gave me that one, Blake. But then Give me he, that uh, one. But I am reading a, these comments, and they are skating. They are skating. Prime is going to step uh, or Prime is going to squash TCU with his nine toes like a grape. Nine two, take the nickels, kernels, and the points. Coach Prime is gonna smoke these frogs like Mitch McGarry did his entire career. <laughs> Which I, I didn't know. I didn't know Mitch McGarry was smoking frogs, but honestly, that sounds like something he would do. Do so. yeah, but yeah, I, I I will guarantee the Colorado win. It's it, when you see that opening spread, it's gonna be in the twenties, like in the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> people are gonna be like what i i thought this was big noon colorado's supposed to be good no no wrong <laughs> wrong oh. this is when the the media members and the media companies come together and just put something on for ratings this is exactly that game because you yeah. know fox you know espn they want those early colorado colorado games because nobody's gonna be watching dion when he's two and nine fighting at the end of the season for that last win so incredible all right, so let's move on to our next one. Uh, I have them at four. Jameson has them at four. Blake has them at six, and Ty has them at three. It's oh. the Texas Tech <laughs> Eight and five last year, eight and five against the spread as well. Their win total this year sits at seven and a half. Ty... But Blake, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let you just seethe on this one for a while. You're going last. You're going to have to sit through this. Ty, so kick us off. Why are you so high on the uh, the Raiders? Here's the thing. Texas Tech, they don't even have to play anyone, really, if you look at their Big 12 schedule. I mean, they have a decent – I mean, they go – they play Oregon. Oregon has to come to them. But, you know, their Big 12 schedule, West Virginia, Houston, Baylor, all bums, K-State – I think it may be a toss-up. Honestly, my Texas Tech placement is more of an anti-K-State take. We all know where this is going, right? There's no hiding that K-State is my number four at this point. BYU, I think they get BYU. TCU, I think they get TCU. Kansas, I think they get Kansas. I think they beat UCF, and then they have to go to Texas. They lose that one. But I could see this Texas Tech team, you know, realistically, they have one Big 12 game that I think they're going to lose. And then they have one that they should lose but could very well win, which is K-State. And then the rest, I think they should win. Some are going to be harder than others. And I'm not trying to get Blake riled up on TCU again, but I think that Texas Tech is currently trending upwards with the way this Big 12 is going. I don't think they're at the same level 
as the one and two teams that I think we're all about to dive into, unless Blake has someone really funny at number four, which I think he might, which would be amazing for this podcast. But I think, yeah, they were eight and five last year, but they were truly eight and five. Like there was no fluke games in there. Like they won all of those games by winning them. That's a just terrible way to articulate that. But they, they went out and won all those games. There wasn't any sort of fluke in there. And I believe that this team might not even be that much better than last year. But think again about the parity within the Big 12 last year. I think some of these teams are going to be taking step backs or taking steps back or are going to have things mixed up with this new schedule with all these extra teams and so much more potential for people to eat each other. And I think this Texas Tech team can produce the same quality of product that they produced last year and end up at three. Could also be four, could also be five, could also be six. But I wanted to go a little spicy with this. I think they this is their absolute ceiling. Same with my UCF. I'm putting a, I'm putting them at their absolute ceiling when I've not done that for other teams. But I think that this is there's potential here. And, and I'm with you. I think six, my six through four, I think pretty interchangeable. I just went with Texas Tech because I like their schedule the best uh, of those three. Um, don't have to face OU. Obviously massive. Uh, avoiding the Sooners there. I just. I, I think tech just kind of is a program on the rise. I think Joey McGuire has something going there. And to me, I, again, I think those, those three are very interchangeable, but I'm, I'm just going to give the edge to the Texas tech red Raiders here. Um, Jameson, your thoughts. Yeah. It comes down to uh, the Texas tech versus TCU game. Who's, who's going to win that one and get the tiebreaker here in Texas tech at home. Um, on that Thursday night, like Blake said, I, I think that that's going to be a game full of energy and it's going to be a lot of fun and Texas Tech comes out with a win and gets that four spot. And here's the thing with Texas Tech. I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, you know, yeah, they had a lot of momentum last year, but they also lost, you know, stars last year. And they're like, oh, look, they lost Tyree Wilson, one of the top players in their, you know, in the NFL draft. Tyree Wilson was also hurt for a lot of the season last year. And I don't think Tyree Wilson was more of like a, a huge difference maker in terms of college football like some other top NFL draft picks, he was a person that like, people looked at him like, this guy has so many great tools. He's just got to put it together. He could be a dominant pass rusher in the NFL. And that's why he went so high. So I feel like people will say like they did lose more than they actually did. I still believe that, you know, having a guy like Taj Brooks as their running back coming back, he's been there forever. Tyler Shaw, who I'm not the hugest fan of, but they are one of the better offenses in the big 12 last year in terms of just yards per game you know so like having a seasoned veteran has played five seasons of college football at quarterback you know obviously is going to be a big deal I, I think that they um are not a number three team I think there's a clear cutoff when it comes between I'd say my cutoff is four and five or in my little TCU and Texas Tech in their own little kind of uh tier here um but I'll give Texas Tech the head-to-head opportunity to get the four spot over the five from tcu all right blake let her rip tell us why cactus gang is uh not is overhyped i think you're y'all just forget basic history sometimes that we've seen a lot of hype texas tech squads and none of them have ever reached their expectations uh last year was a really good year honestly in their eyes and that's saying something that should that should send red flags that you're like oh they're gonna outperform this what are we talking about here? We talked about earlier on in this podcast that you can't win in this league if you're one-dimensional like a Kansas. 
Tech is just a slightly better Kansas in that sense. They're very one-dimensional. They're very good on offense, and they suck on defense. Jameson touched on some of the defensive departures. Where is that going to get better? They're not going to get better on the defensive side of the ball. They're still going to be probably utter trash, and that leaves you to Tyler Shuck's uh, health, <laughs> which I haven't seen that man play a full season in my entire life. I know he's going on four or five years in college football, but damn, that man has never played like a full season, it seems like. And all the Tech fans love to highlight when Shuck was playing. Yes, that's the key, when Shuck was playing. He's never playing. This team is so overhyped this year, and they've gotten so much steam in the betting market to win the Big 12, too, just because of their long odds, but I'll give I'll give a compliment here to uh, McGuire. Like he's really good on fourth downs. He makes really good statistically right decisions on fourth downs, and that was really pivotal last year in some of their wins. Like Texas, Texas they sh they won that game because of their aggressiveness on fourth down, but they were converting those at like all time high rates. Like that is eventually going to go down. Like even though you make the right decision in that moment, that doesn't guarantee you to get that first down. I think. Texas Tech last year, they overperformed a little bit on that side of things analytically. They didn't gain much on defense. They returned their same offense. I just don't see how they make that next leap. I saw that Baylor game when they came in at home and just destroyed them. Like, destroyed them on Patrick Mahomes' night. I just, I do not see, I do not see the Texas Tech hype this year. I don't. I know this program is trending in, I guess, the right direction, but history is telling me everything opposite of that. They've had good talent before. They've had good teams and just never can seem to put it together because that's what Tech is. Tech is an eight and four at best team. That is really what their ceiling is. And I'm not going to put a team that is I, at best eight and four in my eyes to plummet them to or to shoot them to the top of the Big 12. Their schedule, although they avoid OU, they still play some of the heavy hitters. They still got to play TCU. They still got to play K-State. And they got to play at Texas. And I think that is critical. Critical, especially in a non-conference that I think is going to beat them up a little bit. We talked on the G5 podcast. I don't think Wyoming's, Wyoming's are slumps this year. Like, I think Texas Tech is going to win that game, but I'm taking Wyoming whenever we put that on the weekend spread this year. If not a wild card, I'm taking them with the points because that Wyoming team's solid. That Oregon team is really, really good. I think they get beat up early on. I just don't see how they improved from last year. Last year, they statistically overshot everything that they're supposed to do. Why are they going to replicate that in the same season with less on the defensive side of the ball and kind of the same on the offensive side of the ball? I just don't see it. I don't see the Texas Tech hype. I, uh, this is, I'm rating them, I think, fairly properly. Like, I think it might be a little controversial to put them in front of Baylor. I just see a little bit higher ceiling there. I just don't, with all this hype, all this hype after an 8-5 season, I, I just don't see where this is going. I really don't. I don't I don't see how they're I don't see how they're top four in the Big Twelve at all this year. I don't. They, I just don't. <laughs> I do no no biases here. Yeah. No biases. I also I also I don't see them as top four in the Big Twelve, Blake, to be fair. <laughs> God, I <laughs> everybody's just drinking the Kool-Aid, drinking the clips of, oh, it runs through Lubbock. He was saying that last year when everybody <laughs> was running them into the ground to their, like, little eight and four, or so, what is it, nine and four season because they won their bowl game. Big whoop. They're eight and five. I, eight and five. Oh, eight and five. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get where the hype is. I don't get, I don't, 
I just don't get it. I don't get how you see any sort of ceiling with this team. I don't. I don't. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think I think the schedule sets up pretty all right. But uh, pretty all right. right. Okay, like we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, all right. So next team, Ty and Blake have them fourth. Jameson has them third. Oh, it's OU. And folks, it's a tradition unlike any other. I overrate Kansas State once again. Have them oh winning my. the Big Twelve. Oh, Bobby, <laughs> the Kansas State Wildcats, wow. folks. Wild <laughs> moves here. Uh, Ten and four last season. This Nine is worse than my one against the spread. Uh, and they're, <laughs> they're eight and five win total. Did I do this for the memes? Maybe a little bit. Did I do this because Kansas State fans uh, flocked to our channel this summer? Uh, maybe a little bit, <laughs> but you know what? Here's my thing. They returned so much production on the offensive line. They returned Will Howard. Obviously the loss of Deuce Vaughn sucks. Yes. But my thing is, <laughs> I know that's a big one. I know that's a big one, but Kansas state and Chris Kleiman have been remarkable. They overshot my, even my lofty expectations last year, won the big 12. I, I see this train continuing to roll. With what he has going there, the program he's building, I absolutely love it. Um, to me, this is—I'll put it this way: one through three is a toss-up, and I, I think I'm projecting final standings more than I'm projecting uh, champion. In a way, I don't know because I—I think it's—I think it's truly a toss-up in the championship game. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with Kansas State as my Big Twelve champ. My 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 regular season champ. The only people who believe in that are Iowa State, I guess, and for this purpose is me. Uh, but yeah, I, I got I got the Kansas State Wildcats number one here. Blake, Blake, get get after him here. Okay, yeah, Bobby skirts over it. A lot of returning production, yes, but Deuce Vaughn was a significant part of their season last year. Not only in the running game, but throwing them out in the slot. Like, that's kind of what killed TCU when it came down to the Big 12 championship. We also have to remember, this K-State team does not perform well in the regular season. Like, I know Bobby is tooting their horn because they did win the Big 12 championship. They had three losses. They lost to TCU. They lost to Texas. They lost to Tulane in the regular season. This team has a lot of flaws, even when they were at their best last year. Uh, Malik Knowles, too, an underrated piece that's leaving. Yes. I I just Bobby, I do not see it. I do not see it. They their defense they don't return a lot from. I I know they get some transfers, but they in their a developmental program, which I think really increases their floor. But like that's kind of what you're going to see from last year where they have three losses coming into the Big 12 Championship and kind of rely on the other teams to be bad. I I don't see them just running through their schedule they never do it they're like that's the one thing kansas kansas state does does do is they never run through their schedule they never they're never the 11 and 1 team like maybe the colin klein years and stuff like that but even in these like pivotal years for chris Kleiman when he looks good they're still not having great records at the end of the season they wouldn't have been in a big, they probably, I guess they would have been in a New Year's Six Bowl just because they were in the Big 12 championship at the end of the year. But like, oh, they are like, you see that on the left hand side on the YouTube 10 and four. They lose their biggest, I think, one of their biggest assets on offense. Oh, I, yeah. nope, nope, 
No, I just, I do not see them. No, I I that's why I have them at four. They have a solid floor, but their ceiling. I just they do not have the ceiling to crack. I think the top two. I'm going to take my prediction an- another notch to make it weirder and more K statey. I think they lose to Troy, lose to Texas, and that's it. I could see that. See, that's that's what K State does, though. Like, but it doesn't matter for the Big Twelve. Like, you know I know I mean? that. I know that, but like that's indicative of that team is that they just lose these random games and like they go. I think they go to Missouri this year, or they play Missouri yes. at home. Oh, yeah, they, they go to they Missouri. Go. And I'm not saying like I think they're gonna beat Missouri, but like that's like those are losable games, and I know they're not conference games, but it's like it just shows this K State team loses a lot of games. They lose a lot of games usually. Right, but they have five road games at Missouri. Yeah, that's tricky. At Oklahoma State, they should beat them. At Texas Tech, I think they beat them. Uh, at Texas, that should be a loss, even though they have been spicy against the Longhorns in the past. And then you have Kansas on the road. That's basically a home game for you, at least a split. Um, so, yeah, the rest, I, I feel like, are, are are very manageable. Iowa State's at home. TCU's at home. Houston's at home. Um, Baylor, UCF. I, I, I just I, I think the schedule just sets up so perfectly for them. And you're right. I am worried about that loss. Like, you bring up Malik Knowles, massive name. Um, I'm blanking on on the guy's last name, but they lost a massive defensive player, uh, the Big 12 decent defensive player of the year as well. Dylan um, Gabriel. D- <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, they do Those lose Felix a lot. That schedule is um, uh, the uh, the edge rusher. Thank for you. Them. Thank you. Sorry, Kansas State fans. I, I I know you'll forgive me because I put you number one, but um. No, yeah, I, here, here's my thing. I, I, I do think, I, I think the schedule is a big part of it too. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm hogging this. Um, Jameson, I want to hear what you have to say. No, no, I, I am excited for you to talk yourself into a hole about number one. I completely agree with Blake. I think Kansas State has, you know, I, I, I think, to be honest with you, Klein might get himself a higher offensive coordinator job after this season the way he's been pushing out. I don't know if he really wants to leave Kansas state. Cause that's kind of his place, but he's going to get paid somewhere. I think. Yes, um, but, I agree. Uh, Dude, Klein yeah. No, Cl- like Colin Klein, oh, not- Colin Klein, Klein. Yeah. No, I'm so sorry. Like yeah. Notre Dame was going after him this season. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like, forgot. Klein. No, I forgot Colin Klein's ROC. Yeah. 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 I think, he, I think he's going to get paid. Um, the thing is, Deuce Vaughn was such a big part of their game plan that their whole offense is going to just get, have to get overturned. And I understand people are still going to try to hype up. I saw Trayshawn Ward, you know, transferring from Florida State as a preseason second team Big 12 running back, which just blew my mind. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but still, like, they have at least some talent there. It's really going to hold on Will Howard's shoulders. Can he go out and show some of the tools that he showed during the season in his positive times? But he also had very low lows. We used to call Will Howard a joke of a quarterback until he showed us some things last year. Like, can he stay consistent? I really do agree with why you are saying that they're going to do well this season, Bobby, is they have a lot of their mid-tier opponents that they should have like a toss-up with at home. And some of the games, you know, they're going to be tough, like Texas on the road. So that's kind of almost a, a scheduled L for them. I think that their coaching and their play calling will get them there. Um, but in terms of talent on their team, I I can't differentiate their talent between Texas Tech and TCU. Um, they, there's really not... I could even argue that Texas Tech and TCU have better talent on their team. I think that's fair. And with K-State, it's never been about talent. It's like 
they just figure things out. They they did I, under I, Snyder. They're kind of doing that under Kleiman. I just don't understand how that offense is going to take a jump to become the number one team in the Big Twelve after having to. It's a complete retool for them. Like the way that Deuce Vaughn played the game is so different as an offensive coordinator. You cannot go and say, okay, my offense last year with Deuce Vaughn, the way that I played, I'm going to play similar to that in Kong Klein. It is going to be so difficult, the way they used him in the slot, the way that just the basic run patterns that they used for him to have him shielded by their offensive linemen. It is very, very difficult to kind of move that. They're going to have hiccups. I think that's fair. I think that's very – I think all of those points are fair. Putting him at one is wild. I'm still standing and, by it. And them and them only losing one Big 12 game is wild too. They're going to get yeah. upset. Yep. They like that's the thing is they there's somebody always that upsets them. It's guaranteed. But ducking OU is also big. I feel like. It I feel is. like that that helps. I don't know. They kind of have y'all's number. I feel like I mean, that's more of a, that's more of leaning towards win than than well, we, a. I think we always bite them back after they they upset us. But I don't know. Ty, I, I think. Oh, Texas Tech and Baylor will be t- really, really tough games for them. But yeah, Ty hit it. That's fair. Ty, you got here's it. here's the thing. K State has by far the second easiest schedule in the Big Twelve. Like we said, even if they Lies. have a use, what do you, you don't think they have the second easiest schedule? No, I think OSU and OU has uh, easier yeah. schedules. No, OSU much. does not. OSU can't have any because they're OSU's bad bad. So like it can't. Even if the they, people they're facing, oh, it's closer to parity, right? Like if you look at like how many games should they win versus should they lose, K-State and OU, I think you can make an argument for they both have one game. OSU, I think, yeah, has an easy schedule, but they're also abysmal. Um, but So what K-State has going for them, well coached, they don't have to play K-State, they don't have to play OU, so they have that going for them. Like we talked about, I think they lose the Texas game. Who knows with Texas, right? They still have to play TCU. I get my whole, like, look at my rankings on TCU, obviously, you know, trying to be a little spicy, but I think there's a lot of potential for someone to upset. The, I think, I think they lose to Texas. I think they get upset. And I think as this season develops, I could see them just losing a straight up another game. Like for example, Texas tech, where it's a, a game where that team is just obviously better than they are. Same could be said for TCU. So I think with this K-State team, yeah, they have an easy schedule. From an OU fan's perspective, it is worrisome that, and sort of showing my cards here a bit going forward, it's worrisome that we might get in a situation as OU where when we're coming down to the end of the season and looking at who's going to be in the Big 12 championship game, K-State and Oklahoma are both sitting with one loss to Texas. And I worry that there's going to be some backroom bias, BS, that even though we're the bigger brand, we'll probably be the more deserving team, we'll get shut out from a Big 12 championship game just to spite us one more time out the door. That's my biggest, honestly, my biggest worry with this K-State team, which is funny because it's not even necessarily about K-State. But I think realistically they lose at least two. You know, Texas Tech, even if Texas Tech is not third in the Big 12, that maybe is a little spicy of a take. But I could see Tech beating this K-State team, and I like Texas beating them. I could see TCU beating them. So I I just don't – I can't put them really any higher. I mean, 
my three and four can be interchangeable, but I, I don't see this K-State team. Anything is possible. I could see situations where they could win the Big 12 for sure. I mean, Texas, Sark is – who knows what Sark's going to do at, at any moment. Um, you know, Texas will always implode even with super high five stars. Brent Venables, you know, who knows with this Oklahoma team. But, um, yeah, I like K-State at four, but I think their schedule – I mean, looking back at the schedules now after we've done this pod, I'm less and less confident about my Tech at three, K-State at four, because Tech certainly has the harder schedule there. But if they carry their way through it, then that's going to help. K-State has a high floor. They don't have a high ceiling. I'd agree with that. Well, but you just put them at free. No, no, no. One. I, I what are you talking that. about? I, I, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm saying like over. Yeah, he thinks their floor is one. You no, have okay. to agree to a high ceiling to win one. Like it's a high ceiling, a high floor. That's a huge ceiling. Like basically, uh, you're saying K State could be contending for a playoff spot this year. Yes, but, that, that's, that's what it is. Weird, but that's the thing is, I they kind of are and kind of aren't because I think they're going to lose one in non-conference. I don't. They're know. not going to lose to Troy at home. That's just you're just. They lost being, to I don't know. I I, I kind of lost to up. some really dumb Sun Belt teams in the past. I know, but, but if you're saying that they're going to go two losses in the season, one of them's Detroit at home, I, I, I just can't it's, get behind that. It's college football. I'm trying to predict some chaos. You have to get weird with some of this. See, now you, you've Thanks. painted Bobby in a corner where he's trying to justify Big 12 champion, but also not even in contention for the playoff. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. this is <laughs> Which is what I, Kansas State was last year! T- Ty they, literally was that. they literally were that last year. A pander right here. <laughs> somehow, somehow said Troy could beat them, but also K State's winning the Big Twelve. Somehow paints a big. Now Troy, there. that's all a teams, loss. All teams feel good <laughs> in the end. Of this. Really dumb. It's Kansas State is is an agent of chaos. They make no sense, and that's why I have them winning the Big Twelve somehow, or being in the Big Twelve championship. I, I, I Dave I, just I just have a feeling it's gonna happen. Lost so many. It, like losing Deuce Vaughn, it, it cannot be like it, Deuce Vaughn to be as good as he is and drafted as highly as he is at just slightly taller than Kyler Murray just shows how great of a player he is. All five foot five of him. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think Kansas State finds a way to bounce back, but let's 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 go ahead and let's go bounce back and move. I don't know, just. I'm optimistic. I, I don't know. I don't know how you think they're going to do better than last year. I, I just don't. I, whatever. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll see. Uh, let's move on to number two. All of us agree on number two. It's unanimous. The Oklahoma Sooners finished second uh, in our predictions. Uh, 2022, a year to forget. Six and seven, uh, five and eight against the spread. Yuck. Uh, but this year, their win total is nine and five. You're getting positive uh, odds on that one. Ty, I'll let you kick this one off. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Sooners this year? And what what makes you think they're going to get back to Arlington? So for, I will try to be as objective as I can. One, I want this to happen. T- two, just to preface my argument again, if you're a Big Ten fan or an SEC fan or even a Pac fan, because you should be angry and, and wanting vengeance, the funniest possible thing is that the Big 12 championship is just OU versus Texas. That would be... For anyone but new Big 12 fans, that should be absolutely hilarious. I think that would be hilarious in a a hater type of way towards the Big 12. Not that I want bad things for the Big 12. 
it would just be very funny. Um, OU has the easiest schedule in the Big 12, I think. Again, make your arguments about like Oklahoma State, but OU should beat everyone on their schedule but one team, being Texas. I'm not saying OU is going to lose to Texas, but I mean, we play Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Iowa State. None of those teams. We could, this OU team could take, no. take a step back from last year, right? But we shouldn't lose any of these games besides Texas is the one that we shouldn't be favored in. So I just, I really see that really, really going for OU. I really hope we do beat Texas. I think maybe it would be an upset, you know, viewers and Xavier Worthy. I think that's going to be such a lethal matchup against anyone this year. But um, I, I like OU's schedule lining up. I think, unfortunately, for a lot of these teams, they all, when we were making the new Big 12 schedule for this year, all these teams that kicked OU last year sat down and engineered the schedule where they wouldn't have to play OU. And in doing so, I think they've almost burned themselves by giving an OU team that I think is trending upward, certainly, but probably not going to be. I, I think, I don't know if if OU played every single other team in the Big 12, I don't know that they would be too at the end of the season. But these other teams have found a way to avoid playing OU, and I think it's going to bite them in the butt, and OU is going to end up playing Texas in the Big 12 championship game, and it's going to end up being worse for these other teams that get embarrassed with, you know, the most embarrassing thing would be the two teams that are leaving are your two championship teams. And then they leave. And I think K-State especially could probably beat this OU team or would have a good chance to beat this OU team potentially um, in the regular season. And they've avoided playing OU and given OU just a, a an easy schedule. So I know that, that y'all are probably going to give the OU homer takes here. So I wanted to sort of give the sales pitch towards people who maybe are on the fence or wouldn't otherwise cheer for OU. It would be very funny and look at the schedule. Just look at the memes. I love it. Uh, Jameson, your thoughts. Yeah. First schedule. They avoid my number three overall in the big 12, Kansas state. They avoid my number four overall in the big 12, Texas tech. And then Baylor, even though I have them at seven, I think, you know, they're obviously a team that can be as talented as number five in the big 12, avoid them and then get, UCF TCU at home. Um, it's extremely favorable, extremely favorable. And the thing is, we as OU fans, I understand we look at you know the spread. Oh yeah, it's over nine and a half. Like we're back in that same kind of OU conversation. This team had a losing record last year, and it's hard to take a big big jump. So there will be some kind of you know trips along the way. I don't think they can hop to a one. But with this schedule, it's going to be very very difficult not to be number two it's going to be difficult because there's going to be a lot of games where we're not going to look as good, um, but we're still going to get some W's just because the fact is the schedule is really like cookie cutter for us, but it's going to come down to for this Oklahoma team is can Brent Venables put his stamp and actually make this defense and like a Brent Venables defense. Everyone will continue to look at Oklahoma as an offensive program, but our offense this year, I think might just be par for the course. It's really going to come down to can our stars on the defense come out and make big plays and hold teams to under, will there be games where we hold teams under three touchdowns? Um, 
it's weird to say out loud, but I think we need to see these kinds of um, things from our players. Um, and it really, you're looking at some of the leaders in the defense. Can Danny Stutzman turn himself from a tackling machine to also using his brain and going doing the right fits and play a little bit better play and coverage? I think that's a huge, huge story for this season. And then guys like Billy Bowman taking the next step in the secondary. Um, can we get a Desan McCullough? you know, turn into a, a superstar on the edge, or will he continue just to be this athletic freak that only plays every once in a while? This team has some potential, but it's a very, very high floor with them. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I think, I think looking at it, it, it's, it's a 10 win. It's a 10 win schedule given, given who he has to play genuinely might be one of the easiest, lightest schedules OU's ever played, ever had. Um, and to me, I, I think that sets the baseline of what this season's about. Um, you only play, <laughs> pardon me, you only uh, play three teams that beat you last year. One of them is West Virginia. One of them is TCU, who's lost a lot of talent, and now that one's at home. And the other one's Texas, who obviously was, you know, look, Texas is going to be favored against Oklahoma, but uh, without a doubt, you, you beat a team forty-nine nothing. That's that's just the case. Um, so to me, I feel like the schedule improves overall, avoiding Baylor, avoiding Tech, um, and then um, avoiding Kansas State as well. Absolutely massive. Um, it's it's all about, but it, but it is all about actually seeing the transfers, the defensive improvements, as Jamison was saying. Uh, can Peyton Bowen make an impact? Can is Rondell Bothroyd like the type of defensive lineman that can really make a difference on the line? Um, that's where the difference will be made because I think. I think to me, the offense, you know, probably took us definitely took a step back on receivers, tight ends, total wild card. Um, but I think Gabriel, you'll get what you get. Um, I don't think we'll see anything that remarkable. Love the running back room, but they're still pretty unexperienced. You, you're just, you're looking for a probable loss to Texas, a very good team. And then potentially one other one on the schedule. They lose to an inferior opponent as is tradition. And right now I'm just, I'm just not finding it right now since he's not, since he's not there to me, BYU's not there to me. Uh, although I could see it happening just because Provo's weird, but to me, I, I just, I have Oklahoma, I have Oklahoma going pretty far here. Um, are they a college football playoff level team? They could get there, but they don't deserve to be there. I hope, I hope not. I really I hope would, not. I would, ra- oh, I would rather quit. make the playoff than not. I would rather make yeah. the playoff. No, not this again. Not this no, again. I will scared. say, I will say to Bobby's point that this OU team will probably lose to an inferior opponent. To combine that with my, what's the funniest thing possible? The funniest thing possible is that OU somehow drops the game to Tulsa. Which would just oh be, god no oh that no. would be the no no Blake oh, agrees man. that would objectively that would be the funniest thing possible oh, <laughs> oh, yes, yeah it's not gonna hilarious happen. but the pulse is atrocious it, it'd be the yeah, that's what makes it it'd be the Oklahoma State game which would hurt the most yeah it really would yeah it wouldn't but be I, funny yeah I but. mean I I think oh you can figure this out get a get a really I, I think they got a great draw I think they're going to be improved. And it has to be improved. Uh, this has to be a vast improvement uh, to be acceptable. Uh, and I think OU makes it back to Arlington. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, Blake, why, your thoughts? Go ahead. You, you think you have them over Texas too? What it seems I do. like. So, so do you think OU wins Red River? 
I no. I think you, we have a. I think well, we have a weird have situation to. where Texas. Yeah, I, I think I, 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 I think Texas beats Oklahoma in Red River, but I think Texas loses twice. I think that's the difference. Interesting. I think okay. I think I think Texas to me, I think people are overhyping them, and we'll get to them in a bit. But the, the loss of Bijan Robinson, the loss of Roshan Johnson, that is way way big, and nobody's talking about that. Okay. Cool. Uh, to me, and I think when we'll, we'll get is, we'll get to when yours is overblown. We'll get to that when we get to that. But Blake, what do, what do you think about the Oklahoma Sooners this year? Yeah, it was y'all have kind of harped on all the major points. The if we were doing the same round robin ten team Big Twelve, I'm not putting OU at two, one hundred percent. I don't think they are the second best team in the Big Twelve. But it's it's they've been gifted the schedule from the gods where they really only have two games in conference that should worry them. One being Texas, the other one probably being TCU. TCU being at the end of the season, Texas at the middle, so it's not even like you have to go back to back. It's this is to me, and like this is gonna sound like some hater take, but this truly should be for OU fans the barometer. Or Brent, Brent Venables this year. If he cannot take y'all to ten and two, why would you trust him going to the SEC with this schedule and him not even like even nine and three? I think is a failure just because like the it is set up so perfectly that it's like you only have two teams that you can possibly lose to. You're favored against TCU and you like rivalry game Texas. You know anything can happen on that. Even like even if one team favored over the other. It's just a non-con. Everything. It's so easy. You play a lot of the the bottom dwellers with the Big Twelve. It's going to be the ultimate litmus test on whether Prince Venables really is the guy at OU. And I know OU probably wouldn't fire him after a nine and three season. But if I was a fan, I would start to be calling for that if that happened with the schedule. Uh, and nine and three is also, or I guess it would be ten and three. But uh, yeah, I just. It's one of those things I don't want to put OUS to because I don't think this is like the best team. But there's just I can't lock myself into enough losses to shove them out of it. So yeah, I'm with Blake. It, look, if OU doesn't have, I'll turn this into a bit of a crazy take. But I I am with Blake. If Brent Venables cannot, regardless of what the roster pans out to be. If Brent Venables cannot turn this into a 10-win regular season, OU needs to throw out the bag for Scott Frost or Charlie Strong because oh, he's God. not Jesus he's not Christ. the guy, right? <laughs> or Urban Meyer. Realistically, Urban Meyer, but Scott Frost or Charlie Strong would be better option. If if he goes nine and three in the regular season with this schedule, objectively, we're we're going to get steamrolled in the SEC. We're going to be Missouri with a slightly more budget. Um, under him, at least. Like, we need to – we should really carry this. I mean, two two numbers stand out to me with this. Eight and eight. We play eight games within the state of Oklahoma, and like Jamison sort of touched on, but he didn't throw the number out there. Really the weak point for all the jokes I make about Dylan Gabriel, the big weak point that lost us a lot of games last year was the defense. Like, we were averaging mid-30s points per game if I remember correctly. And for all the jokes I make about Dylan Gabriel, you really shouldn't be losing as much as we did when you're averaging 35, 36 points per game. Like that's atrocious. And within the transfer portal, we brought on eight new defensive people. So eight out of 11, that's a really high turnover in our our big problem spot. 
you know, we have some turnover at receiver and, and whatnot, but I really think that, that this should be OU's year to at least get a 10-win season. Well, mm-hmm. and also, I, I also do want to say a lot of the losses last year were very close. Outside of Texas, outside of TCU, you know, yeah. one possession, field goal level losses. The execution has to improve. Um, yeah. Third downs have to improve. Special teams have to improve. The little details, you've got to fix that. Um, and to me, I feel like those are things that, you know, a more disciplined, a more, you know, seasoned team, you know, under Venables will get done right. Um, so I don't know. I'm optimistic, but um, all right, guys, let's move on to number one. Um, Ty, Blake, Jameson, you all have Texas number one. I have them at three. Um, James. Tale as old as time. Bobby always tries to, you know, get ahead on the Texas choke. Sometimes it's worked, but the majority of times it hasn't. Yeah, sometimes it works. Sometimes it I feel like the majority of the time it works. Yeah, I'm no. gonna, yeah, I feel. They yeah. choke the majority <laughs> of the time. They do choke no, a lot. No, but, Bob, but Bobby was late to the party on it, though. Like, Bobby started doing it after their first choke year. We like, they've been choking it. since, like, 2010. Yeah. Like, and no, I'm, I'm talking about, like, the losses, to, like, the first loss to Kansas. I was way thing. too I was way too pessimistic on them last year. Jameson's right mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is this is three. And I, I think for a lot of the reasons, like, OU's get, like, where they are at two, Texas is at three to me because their schedule's tougher, because you have Tech, because you have Baylor, because you have Kansas State. They're fortunate that they get those games at home. Um, but I, I just I, Baylor's I just, on the road. Baylor's on the road. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, so Bobby knew that. That's it's the joke. <laughs> no, I forgot. <laughs> that is a joke. Uh, but my thing is like Baylor. Or, I feel like Texas just has a lot of pitfalls, and this is a team that looked unfocused last year, couldn't finish the job against inferior opponents. Look at Oklahoma State, for example. Uh, Texas Tech, although that was a bit of a weird situation, you know, with Quinn Ewers being hurt and um, just the whole circumstances of that game, super odd. But that's just Texas to me. I feel like they're going to find a way to lose these games. Whenever they come in super hyped, it just doesn't go well. And I, I think to me that's that's where they take that step back. I think that's where they they just lose games that they shouldn't lose. And I think that's where why I have them at three. I think their talent is good enough to win a lot of ball games to get mm-hmm. them right in the conversation for this. But I think ultimately they're going to be a step behind. Um, I think it's going to be a real tight race between OU, K-State, and Texas, though. I think that's going. it's going to be a thrilling title race for those three um, when it comes down to getting in the championship. Um, but ultimately, I just, I'm just i not buying this Texas team, not with the loss of Roshan, jo- Roshan Johnson first. That's weird. Uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan. And I just – I think that – I just think Quinn's overrated. I'm just, I'm just kind of out on this Texas team. Um, you know, all, what, what, what is it? They, what is it? Uh, they say at uh, TCU Blake, all, all steak, no sizzle. This is all sizzle. Yes. All, all steak, no sizzle, baby. Yeah, no, this is a nice, I, I, I just think, I think Texas, I'm just kind of out on them. Uh, all in here, steak, but... no sizzle. Why would I, so you no, they a got lot, it a lot of meat. They got it. They got <laughs> all it sizzle, no steak, maybe. <laughs> Because yeah, you're just describing the meat. No, you want the meat. You don't want you don't want the flashy stuff. You want the good, the fundamentals, the day yes. in and day out. You want no, the good. what what yeah. he's trying to say is all sizzle, no steak. It's all marketing and and chatter and stuff, but there's no meat yeah, there. That's what yeah. I was saying. They, yeah, they don't have any meat to them. 
I think that's Texas. So all sizzle, no steak. Or TCU's motto this year is all steak, no sizzle. So it's the opposite of what. Oh, yeah. that's what's getting. Yeah. That's what's getting I was. I didn't understand the joke because I didn't understand. Okay. okay, I get it. All steak, no sizzle is also a very terrible, not not a good steak. That's, <laughs> that's, that's just like, we like it tartar, like, baby. You just boiled the steak. <laughs> it's just sous vide, and then you're like, I feel like I forgot a step. You're good. We like it tartar, just ripping it. It's, it's a milk it, steak, uh, raw meat. <laughs> milk steak boiled raw with some jelly beans. Uh, anyways, um, Jameson, your thoughts on the Hornets? Why do you like them this year? It, it, yes, and they're going to take a step back with losing Bijan because Bijan is like extremely talented running back. Like it's hard to think of how they can replicate what he had. Um, but yes, I also think Quinn yours is a little bit overrated, but Quinn yours has an exceptional target room in terms of wide receiver and tight end for Texas at wide receiver Xavier Worthy, best one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the country. Uh, no, not the best. He's, he's like top three um, uh, Marvin Harrison being the best, but yeah, still like, generational. like, Yes, but still, like, Xavier Worthy is an exceptional wide receiver. Like, really, really good. Get a transfer from Georgia and A.D. Mitchell. You also have um, Jordan Winnington there. And then at tight end, you have one of the best tight ends in the Big 12, maybe in Jatavian Sanders. Like, it's a very, very good target room to make him look good. You know, and they still got some good running backs that will play well. Like Jaden Blue's guy in the up and up, and Keelan Robinson shows some things to the change of pace back. So, yes, the running back room might not be their strength. I just think that their passing game is just going to be so hard to cover all of those really, really good wide receivers that it's going to make Quinn Ewers look good. Like Quinn Ewers will get the ball off and get it in his playmaker's hands. And that's just something that a team like Oklahoma, and absolutely not K State, has. Uh, it's, it's I, Oklahoma does not have the amount of talent in that wide receiver and tight end room like Texas. It's the complete opposite almost from what Texas has. Um, and then in terms of the defense, yeah, they might have lost, you know, Overshone, their big guy, but they still have so much talent there as well. Um, just looking at, they've got like Jalen Ford, linebacker Jaron Thompson's a really good safety. Um, they got Byron Murphy also really good, the defensive lineman. Ryan Watts, the cornerback, like that, they've got a lot of players there that will make a really good Texas team. And I think this is a Texas team that will actually be a for real power. Like I think that they have a chance to be Alabama this year, and I think that people are going to put a lot of respect on that. And it's going to be a very, very weird feeling of them moving into the SEC, as in like Texas didn't get a lot of respect, and they, everyone is making fun of them going to the SEC. I think they're going to make a huge splash this season, and it's going to make OU fans quiver a little bit. Like we're the one that we're in trouble. Time. I know. Weird to say out loud. Look here. Here's the thing. Hey, first off, hey, Texas is still Texas. Like who we know of Texas as a joke. And like Sark, I'm not trying to dog on Sark, but Sark is not that guy. Sark is not Nick Saban. Sark is not Kirby Smart. Sark isn't even Jimbo Fisher. That's a hot take, but Jimbo Fisher has some natties. Um, has a natty. Texas is still going to have it, it. What I mean by Texas is still Texas. They're still going to have 
massive talent that they will underdevelop. Sark is just underdeveloping underdeveloping them less than previous coaches at Texas have. I here's a hot take. I you guys might agree with me. Um, Mac Brown is a better coach than Sark. I, Texas would be better off right now had they stuck with Mac Brown through all this than they are right now with Sark. They just have so much talent on this team. I want to say that my rankings, I think I've approached this a little bit differently than y'all. These are my preseason rankings. Like this is what I expect, but at the same time, it's not what I expect the outcome to be, if that makes sense. Like these, these are my preseason rankings. I understand that, especially in the Big 12, anything's possible. But I think preseason, Texas will underdevelop these guys. They will underperform from what they should with the level of talent that they have and with the schedule that they have. But I think that this year, the amount of talent that they have is so high compared to their schedule. It doesn't matter if they don't get the full potential out of these guys. I agree. I don't think Quinn Ewers is necessarily all that amazing. I would like for him to win the Heisman just so Caleb Williams doesn't again, because if Caleb doesn't, who's going to, they're not going to give it to a receiver as much as Marvin Harris Jr. at Ohio State probably deserves it. But I think Xavier Worthy is going to make, you know, he's going to make problems for people on this schedule. He's going to make problems within the Big 12. He's going to make Quinn Ewers look really, really good. You got to remember that this is a guy who was one of the best receivers in college football last year with a broken hand. He played with a broken hand for the last half of the season and was still top, easily top uh, 50 in terms of receivers in college football last year. You know, you don't always recover from that, but I just think that when you're looking at preseason rankings, I feel like if you simulated this season 1,000 times, Texas would come out as the champion 501 times. And for that reason, I have him as my number one. That's fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, yep. Like, and yeah. I think it just when you're evaluating the number ones, it's like I'm looking at ceiling. I'm like ceiling, ceiling, ceiling. Like if you play to your best, like are you going to win it? Texas is by far, uh, by far and away, the, the most talented team, like has the most talent on their roster in the Big 12. No question about it. Um, I'm kind of with you, Bobby. Like I will agree. It's like I give this pick hesitantly because I feel like I always choose Texas higher than they probably should because they seem to like never hit their ceiling. But I just feel like this year's different. I just feel like they have the talent. I'm a big Quinn Ewers guy. I think Quinn Ewers, like if they would have, had him for the rest of the Bama game, they're beating Bama. They're also beating Tech. Like, they're picking up more wins there just because they have Quinn Ewers. Like, I know he had his struggles, but he was a freshman last year and still played pretty dang well, and I think he's going to play even better this year. And even if that doesn't happen, they're loaded in their quarterback room. Like besides Arch Manning, my new my new Anthony Richardson is Malik Murphy. That guy looks good in shorts, good in the cutoff. He looks fantastic. <laughs> Malik Murphy might be one of those guys. I'm kind of hoping it works this way. He never plays a like he doesn't play significant minutes 
ever in the regular season just puts on a highlight tape of spring practices, basically the spring games and somebody takes them in the NFL draft. Like, I think he is just prototypically that dude. And I don't think we'll ever see him. I hope he doesn't transfer. I want that to happen. I want him to go first round. And we've never seen what this guy can uh, has ever done at the college stage. But I just think, I think this Texas team's so talented. I can't not choose them as one. Um, as hard as that is, like, as hard as it is to say that, I want them, like, this would be a hilarious season. Like, I always laugh. I get a little chuckle at, like, a season like OU happened last year, but I get even more of a chuckle when I feel like OU fans are pretty, after last year, like, know what their roster is, know what their team is. They, these Texas fans think they have a CFP contender or a CFP, like, making it in. Like, they think they're going to run the table easy, and nothing would make me happier than, like, a classic 9-3, and 84 Texas Texas year this year. That would, that would be the funniest thing. It would ultimate, like, that would be the ultimate ultimate send-off uh with this program especially how everything has gone over the last 12 13 years so i'm rooting i'm rooting against myself i think they're the most talented we've kind of established that but i just hope that like texas that texas way butts in somehow and they end up worse for it texas going out the way they've existed the entire time in the conference (laughs) is there potential that that this uh this bama game regardless of how it goes do you think that's going to boost Texas's uh, credibility, so to speak, at all, Blake, even if they lose that one? I think so. If they lose it close, then it's like it just kind of, they're just like, ah, they're, they're, (laughs) (laughs) we got set up for that one. (laughs) But hey, they're really like lost mention. Podcast, yeah. The bottom says exactly what I said. I apologize. (laughs) We need a a little sound, like some sort of sound bite or, or like, bell that rings or something whenever someone mentions a quality loss boosting a schedule like a little alarm or something quality mm-hmm. loss quality loss <laughs> but oh, uh, yeah if they win that game the, the hype train's gonna be off the like it's gonna be insane it's just gonna be ridiculous and then that's what i hope they slip up like honestly i hope for the win at bama and then just struggle through the big 12 schedule i mean nothing would be funnier than win at bama and then two weeks later lose to baylor Yep, that would be. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> that would be so great. I, and I will point out this: like, since we do weekend spread gambling, it's ridiculous that Texas is odds-on favorite now. Like, you have to lay money in order for Texas to win the Big Twelve championship. That right. is nuts. Like, I think that Bad. the if you've seen this conference the last ten years, and I know OU has dominated it uh, for most of that time, but there was interchangeably people at second consistently it's not like these two programs were running running the town at the entire like the whole time OU was dominating and then everybody else would kind of file in for second OU's not as strong I don't think Texas is reaching that level that OU was where it was like kind of a guaranteed to be there whether it be Texas to be a like go against them again or just some other like big 12 program i odds on favorite just makes absolutely no sense i think for texas do not lay that money do not that is a dumb investment i agree. it's dumber than the tech one it's dumber than the tech one in my opinion well because at least tech there's upside yes texas yes no there's upside. no upside to this like <laughs> either they do something they haven't done in like 14 years or you get a or you win and get less money back 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not You've good. locked it's your good. money up for the entire season just to like win like a bet that you could win on any other game throughout to like the entire season. Like you're not it. I don't think it provides that much edge that it's like, oh, a Georgia or like something that you're laying significant odds. Like basically you're you see it as like a bond that's going to pay you a little interest at the end of it. Uh, that's not this Texas team. I don't I don't believe in well, them that hard. Correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, what was the year that Texas was in the natty? Was it 2010? 20, yeah, so 2010 in the 2009 season. Texas, Texas is only a year off of being nationally relevant than Tech, right? Like Texas was la- or Tech was last nationally relevant. What? 08? Mm-hmm. Oh no! Well, I mean, oh no! Was Tech nationally relevant? No, no. Oh Tech? Oh Tech? No. Well, no, not really. See, Tech was nationally relevant in 08. The last mm-hmm. time that Texas was really nationally relevant was. Only a year later. So, yeah, I, to Blake's point, it is it is kind of confusing that everyone has this idea that, that they've been the upper crust of the conference for forever when, you know, they've been, I guess, the second to last one to be in a, a national championship game, but it was a long I mean, time they have, ago. Yeah, they have three, they had three Big 12 championships. Only three. And it came during, like, best McCoy year, best Vince Young year, and a random one in the 90s when they beat Nebraska. So it's not – yeah, they, they've hardly done Is that, that the same ball. number as Baylor? Yes. Yes, they don't even have the most in the state. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good. It's not good. Um, I mean, Drake, Drake Kirkpatrick, as people said, a player who played in, the, uh, in that national championship against Alabama, now has a son who committed to Alabama. So wow. in that time, in that time frame, Texas has been to zero big, sorry, one zero Big Twelve championships, and uh, had a had a had a player's son do it. So that's yeah. just nuts. It's nuts. Um, we're at the two hour mark. This is about the end of the show. I don't think there's any other takes to be had in the Big Twelve. Uh, we have we have juiced this orange uh, bully. There's no orange left. It's just gone. Uh, but but does anyone have any final takes before we go off? One sentence. One sentence. Jameson? Uh, Texas Tech will do better than TCU this year. Blake? TCU will do better than Tech this year. And I think we're going to have a very fun Big 12 year. I think it's only just going to get you more excited for what's to come from the Shield in the coming years. So I'm excited for it. I really am. Like this is going to be the, the one of the funnest conference. If no, it's not going to be one. It's going to be the funnest conference year to year. I guarantee you once OU and Texas leaves. Well, that's a run on <laughs> sentence. Uh, Ty, <laughs> what do you think? One sentence. The funniest possible thing to happen in the big 12 this year would be for the two teams who are leaving to be in the championship game, regardless of who wins semicolon UCF <laughs> central Florida will be the most entertaining team to watch. It will involve three to four spectacular implosions, but it will also involve some inexplicably scrappy shootouts at the bottom of the barrel. I, I think it's going to be a great conference. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, and ultimately, yeah, I'm going to miss it a little bit. I mean, I'm excited for the SEC, but... Big 12 had some great memories. So 
looking forward to enjoying the most of it. Well, folks, that is it. No more conference previews. No more bye-bye Big 12. Put that away. Oh, uh, actually, no, that's a good one. You can keep the score. It's week zero. College football is this Saturday, folks. And you know what that means. You know what that means, boys. We're back into the trenches. It's weekend spread on Wednesday, week zero. We're making picks. I can't wait. I cannot wait. But until then, until Wednesday, we'll see you then. We'll see you on Wednesday. Have a good one, everyone. Good luck out there. <laughs>